Hallelujah, hallelujah. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hallelujah. Let's just give the, hand, uh, uh, the worship team a hand of praise, amen, for letting God use them this morning, amen. He is good. Just say out loud, he is good. God, you are good. Just say it up to the heavens. God, you are good. Hallelujah. And his mercy endures forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. How is everyone doing this morning? Amen. To our online visitors, we just love you. Good morning to you. Amen. 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 God is in this place this morning. The presence of the Lord is here. Amen. And God has just been so good to us to bring us here on this cold, chilly morning in Denver and to just lift up his holy name and to worship him. And I am grateful, hallelujah, for all that he has done, all that he has done and all that he continues to do. Amen and amen. Well, I hope everyone's doing well this morning. Hallelujah. As we get closer and closer to that day. Amen. Not the day that we get to jump up out of bed and open gifts, but the day that the Lord himself came into this earth. Amen manifested himself in flesh, hallelujah, to save us for the redemption of our sins. Christmas is such a beautiful time of the year, and as we get closer and closer, we want to just take these few Sundays to just reflect on God's love, reflect on the gift that was given to us, reflect on the fact that God loved me enough to give his life for me. You know, and when you really sit down and think about that, you like, that's some, that's some love right there. That, that is some love, amen. Let us just pray. Father God, we just bless you this morning, Lord. We lift up our holy hands and we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord, who came to die for our sins, Lord. Father God, let us not take lightly the Christmas story, Father, the Christ-mess story, Lord, that it was all about love. It was all about the redemption of mankind. It was all about, Father God, your thoughts towards us. So we bless you this morning, and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we stand to our feet quickly, amen? We are going to repeat a verse that all of us should not have to even open up our Bibles for because it's one of the first verses that we learned as children, one of the first verses uh, that many of us know, and that is John 3 and 16, amen? So whatever version you learned it in, whether it be King James, Message, NIV, ESV, let's just say it together, amen? And it says, for God... So love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We are going to be uh, just 
hitting this verse for the next few Sundays because there's just so many things, uh, nuggets that are just packed into it. But we understand uh, that this, is, this passage is the gift of love. It's the, it's the, it's the uh, expression of God's love towards his creation, amen? And I thank God that he loves me enough, amen, to give me a second chance, to give us all another chance to, to continue to walk alongside us, amen? Because we can be trifling. I mean, I, I'm speaking about myself. I can be so trifling, and sometimes I'm just, I just have to stop and think to myself, my God, like, why don't you just take me out? Like, where are these thoughts and where are these actions coming from? And it's really just coming from my flesh, you know? When, you, when we do step into our flesh and we start to feel ourselves and we can get really nasty and get really ugly, and God just looks at us and he just sh shakes his head and says, it's okay, my child, it's okay. I'm going to get you though, <laughs> but it's okay. I'm going to correct that. I'm going to correct that because I love you. You know, as, as a children, have you ever gotten a, now back, they don't even whip no more. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. In my house, we got, we didn't get whipped. We got beat, <laughs> but have you ever, you know, had to discipline your child? Uh, I know a lot of times when my mother was disciplining me and she says, I'm only doing this because I love you. And at the time it didn't feel like love, you know, it hurt. That switch, that belt, that extension cord, whatever, because black folks don't play. Uh, we, <laughs> whatever was near her is what we were gonna get hit with. But, but that expression of love, like she would, she would whip us, but as she's whipping us, she would, it would be hurting her as much as it was hurt, well, not as much, but it would hurt her. <laughs> uh, and she would say, to often say to us, I'm only doing this because I love you. And you know, and I'd be like, well, there are many other ways you can express your love, like put me on restrictions, sit me in the corner, you know, take away my toys, do anything, but, but don't discipline me. But sometimes God has to discipline us. Um, and, he, and, and that discipline comes through the fact that he truly, truly loves us and truly cares about us. And so when God is disciplining us, it doesn't feel good. No one likes to be disciplined. Uh, but discipline is necessary. It says, spare the rod, spoil the child. It should say, spare the rod, spoil the adult. Amen? But God disciplines us, and he will continue to discipline us until we come to our senses and realize God is not God does not like that action. My actions of sin displeases God. And so even though God disciplines us, he, he loves us. He loves us deeply. And so, you know, this morning I was just thinking as I was studying uh, yesterday, you know, if I were to just take a poll of, of Christendom, of, of the bride of Christ, of the people of God, um, I would probably uh, ask this question. And this question would be, um, do you believe that God has, that God loves you? And the answer would be a unanimous yes, God loves me. Then the second question would be, then where is, or do you struggle with unbelief? Do you struggle with unbelief? And if we're honest, I mean, you know, just take your little Christian hat off, your little banner off, we should be saying, yes, there are times when I struggle with unbelief. I think the church, I think the bride of Christ in the church is, is, is really struggling. Uh, the Christians are struggling with unbelief. We believe God, don't, don't get me wrong. We believe that he died on the cross. We believe that he, he died and was resurrected. We believe that we are saved and going to heaven. 
but deep within us, there's a, a, a un, unconfessed sin of unbelief. And that unbelief comes just mainly from our, our, it doesn't, you know, it's not something the enemy throws on us. It's not something that, you know, we partake in. It's just that little seed of unbelief that comes into our hearts when we don't get our way most times. When God doesn't answer the prayer that we have prayed the way we want it to be answered. When God doesn't heal someone and they pass. When God doesn't get us out of a certain situation. When God doesn't give us that raise that we felt we deserved. When God doesn't uh, get that child, uh, since that judge sentenced that child to jail after we've, la we've laid before the Lord, we fasted and we prayed and the outcome isn't quite what we expected. We begin to just, it hurts, <laughs> discipline hurts. And we begin to think to ourselves, does God really love me? Does God really care about me? So today, we're gonna talk about God's unfailing love for man and also talk about the ultimate gift of God, amen? The ultimate gift. So as we uh, get closer and closer to this beautiful day that we gather our families together and we celebrate and we, we rejoice over all that God has done and we show genuine love to each other, let's, let's just look at this, this great gift that God has given us. Let's unwrap the gift of eternal life. Let's unwrap the gift of love that God has given to each of us. And as before you even um, dive into Christmas, Make sure that you pray with your children. You go over the Christmas story or your spouse or your friend or whoever, but you just take a moment to reflect on what God has done. See, as humans, we calculate love most times by the feeling that it gives us. We calculate our love by what someone does for us. We make, we, just how they make you feel. You know, when you first fell in love and that phone would ring and you'd run. This is, I'm talking, I'm dating myself. Grab that phone off the wall, amen, and just, you know, your heart would just, just beat and you would just stay on that phone talking all night, you know, to the same, to that person for hours and hours because they made you feel good. Not really talking about nothing. You know, not really talking about nothing, but just the expression and to know that they felt some kind of way about you. Um, we measure our love on how it makes us feel. See, uh, our love for each other can only go, only goes through a, to a certain certain point. <laughs> we can love each other, we can do for each other, we can give to each other, but oh, wait till someone ticks somebody off. And you will watch that love plummet, amen? <laughs> because human love wavers. Human love uh, can catch an attitude. Amen, husbands? Have you, have you ever caught an attitude from the one you love? <laughs> human love catches an attitude. Human love will shut down. Human love will cut you off. For those who are married, you know what I'm saying? Human love will have you sleeping on the couch sleeping in the guest room, human love will have you get up and make your own breakfast and let the other person be on their own. See, human love is, is, is fickled. It's fickled, it's back and forth, it's back and forth. And I can say these things because I was married for 38 years and I know I've seen some human love. <laughs> human love gets irritated really quick. 
can get irritating and human love can hold on to grudges. Human love will hold on to the past, but thank God, <laughs> thank God that his love for us never wavers, never changes, <laughs> never goes back and forth. He's never offended by, our, our, by the way we treat him. He looks at it and he says, I'm going to give you another chance to straighten that out. I'm going to give you another chance and opportunity. I'm not, I'm not offended that you're mad at me because it didn't work out the way you want it to. And as you live life and, and, and you, you grow and increase, you understand. You can look back and say, oh, wow, I understand I understand it now. So God's love does not waver. And uh, it's unfortunate that because we are carnal, amen, we are fleshly, that we process oftentimes through the flesh. And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit. Adam and Eve had it made in the shade. That's an old statement. They had it made. They were in the garden with God. They communed with him daily. He loved on them daily, and they loved back on him. There was a constant uh, love fellowship between the two of them, and everything was going well until they were tempted to sin and tempted to be disobedient to God. And when they did that, it, 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 brought, on, it brought the sin nature into them, so now they live as children of God, but with a sin nature, just like we do. We are children of God. God loves us. We're saved. We are going to heaven, but we have to battle with this sin nature that dwells within us. And so what God is saying is, and teaching us is that he wants us to overcome that. Just like Adam and Eve lived in, the, in paradise, God is like, that's the way I designed you. That's what I breathed into you. I breathed into you my spirit, my ruach, my breath of life. So it's within us. If we have accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, every bit of God that we need rests within us. So if every bit of God rests in us, then the question begs to answer, why? do we struggle with unbelief? Why do we sometimes doubt? Why do we get depressed? Why do we worry? Why do we, why do we think that God doesn't care? And it's, it's just simple. It's because we struggle with unbelief and we just need to confess that and ask God, Lord, help my unbelief. Forgive me, Father God, for questioning you, Father God. Forgive me for not trusting you, Lord. Forgive me for living in this natural life, Lord, thinking of you through carnal minds. See, our minds are finite. Our brains are, we can, only, we can only take it so far. Our brains are finite, but God is infinite. God has, has, works through us through an infinite, all-knowing God who loves us and who sees us from the beginning to the end and knows the past we should take, knows when we're going to trip and fall, knows when we will mess up. But our, our, our human nature can only process through the finite of man. But it has the ability to do as Jesus taught us, amen, to walk in the spirit, to trust God. But it's just such a battle within us to, to, uh, to just allow God and allow the spirit of God to show us the way we should go. Everything we say and do should be filtered through the Spirit of God. 
Jesus says, I do nothing that the Father does not tell me to do. We do things on our own all day. We make decisions and choices without even consulting God because we're thinking, sounds good to me. I'm going to do that. Sounds like I can make a little money. I'm going to do that. And then when things turn around or turn awry, we want to blame God. We want to get, you know, God, why did you allow that to happen? He's like, what? Well, I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't tell you. To, did you consult me in that? And so we really have to understand as Christians, we are to walk with a kingdom mindset, with a mindset that says, God, this is, I am yours and everything I do, everything that I say, Lord, help me process it through your word, through your eyes, through your heart. And it will make us, it will draw us closer to God. So simply stated, the body of Christ is struggling with the sin of unbelief. And that is just such an oxymoron to me when I was like, what an oxymoron. So we are believers, but we struggle with unbelief. But it's true. We do struggle with unbelief. We do struggle uh, with, with uh, the things that are going on. See, the sin of unbelief, it just can't believe, you can't blame it on the enemy. You have to, you have to own that. Like God gives me the choice to believe, amen? And, and when I find myself in unbelief, it ain't the enemy throwing darts. It's not, not him trying to drag me down. He might, he might find out, oh, so she's struggling with unbelief. Okay, let me, let me agitate the situation. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just make sure she stays right where she's at or he stays right where she's at. But the choice is ours. We are the ones who have to confess that we struggle with unbelief and that we are asking God to help us in our unbelief. Because when we have a true relationship with God, <laughs> unbelief just, is, is, it doesn't even come into the factor. It doesn't even factor into the equation. If we say that we love God, and we say that we trust God, and we say that we have surrendered our lives to God, unbelief should dissipate. Amen? Because we are daily communing with him. We are daily seeking his face. And unbelief has no resting place in our hearts and in our minds. So the kind of, this kind of mindset uh, that we struggle with really has weakened the body of Christ. It has weakened the church because I, I, there, I can just say so many times I've heard people say, well, maybe God will. Maybe he'll do it. I'm praying for you. If it's in the will of God, he'll do it. You know, and we say these little things that throw a little bit of doubt into our belief. I believe God is going to do it for you, sis. If it's in his will, I believe it will be done, brother. That little statement, if, really can turn a situation around. I know that God will do it for you, and I'm praying with you and looking for the manifested glory of God in that situation. That's how we should be responding to each other when we're, when we're praying for each other, when we're admonishing each other. Take the if out of it, because the if brings a level, a seed of doubt. And when we don't see God working in the way that we thought God would work, then we ourselves just begin to doubt. Like, man, I thought I heard from God. You did hear from God, but you only prayed one prayer. 
You only fasted for a moment. You didn't stay steadfast in, in believing what God is doing. And sometimes that brings unbelief. So we've got to get rid of this, this mindset and understand that we are children of God and that we possess his spirit and that his spirit is a tool, amen? It's, it's something that we need to learn to use to the advantage to not only strike down the enemy, but build our faith up. So in John 3 and 16, God expresses his love towards men. In John 3, 16, it tells us that he loves us, he, dream, he demonstrates his love for us, and he constantly thinks about us. He's constantly thinking about us. So God's ultimate demonstration of his love, uh, one of God's ultimate demonstrations of his love is found in Romans 8 and 28, where he says, but God loved us while we were yet sinners. God loved us. God continues to love us even though we are still in our sin nature, even though we are still sinning. God demonstrated his love on the cross. He went to Calvary knowing that it wasn't, it wasn't going to um, um, uh, uh, abandon our sins, but he took them on every sin that we have ever committed and will commit. Jesus Christ has already covered it with his shed blood, amen? What a love, what, what banner of love is this? That God would, would cover my sins, amen? Cover my, my, my habits, cover my shortfalls, cover those, those little hidden things that I do without even thinking about it that, that are so habitual and th just covers me that his sin covers me, great and small, from the murderer, amen, down to the thief, from the, from the liar to, to, to the prostitute. God's love covers all of our sins and continues to cover our sins. So we're going to look at um, John, uh, John 3.16, and we're going to uh, just get, dive into it and just see uh, the love and the ultimate gift that God has given us and how we need to uh, acknowledge it, amen, and get ready to share the gift of Jesus Christ this, this Christmas season with our family, with our coworkers, wherever we go, if we get the opportunity to share this wonderful gift. So in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved, and that is, that's the motive. Why did, why, did, why did God send his son to come to earth? Because he loved you and I. Above all things, he loved you and I. So, for, so God, for God so loved the world is the motive for the gift. Everything God does is motivated by his love for us. Because of God's love for us, his purpose calls for us escaping the grips of hell and being born into the family. The word love here is, a, is an interactive verb. This means that the love requires and um, an action, and it requires uh, validity. So God, his motive for his gift not only verbalizes his love for us, but he puts his love into action, and it demonstrates it through his uh, through his Son Jesus Christ. Because of God's love for us, he doesn't excuse me love for us. He does the unusual and gives us the unconditional love. 
he does the unusual. The unusual thing is that he said to himself, there is no way anyone else can save these people from their sins. No Buddha, no other God, no angel, no one can correct this situation. I am the solution. I am the answer to their sin. So God, God takes a part of himself and says, I will come and I will sacrifice my life for them because I love them. I care for them. And so God took action and the motive of his action was simply that he loves us. And while most of us show our love conditionally, we uh, conditionally to each other and with God, God shows his love, ultimate love, way past any condition or anything we have done. God loves us pure, straight, everything, without looking at, at us. Now, when we look at each other, <laughs> when we look at someone, someone has offended us, someone has hurt us, someone has done wrong to us, and they ask for forgiveness, we give them that, like, <laughs> we cock our head to the side, like, uh, no, we, we, no. No, it, 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 it's just not that easy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's just not that easy. And we want to go back to day one, and we want to drag every offense that they've done. We want to we wanna talk about, you know, this, this, that, and the other. If you've ever been in an argument, you know you're going to go back to the past, and you always do this, and this is just how you are, and yak, yak, yak. God doesn't do that. God doesn't, doesn't look back over our sins. God just says, I forgive you. When you ask for forgiveness, forgiveness comes. But with us, because we're conditional, <laughs> we want to prove our point. We want, to, we want to get one over the other. That it just, you know, we just settle with, okay, well, you know, you can have your opinion, I'm going to have mine but there's not forgiveness in it because anything that comes close <laughs> to that offense, any reminder of it again, brings the argument back up. And you just rehash it and rehash it. When God forgives you, it's done. It's done, amen? That he loves you enough, he just says, it's done, my child. Go, go, you've learned your lesson. Go and grow. With us, it's like, uh, no. Uh-uh. As a matter of fact, we'll wake up the next day, and I forgot to tell you, you know? And we just keep agitating it and agitating it. But God says that his love is action, and when he forgives us, we're forgiven. What manner of love is that? You know, when you've done some stuff, and we've all done some stuff that, you know, we ain't telling nobody, and that's between me and God. And to know that God has forgiven that, amen, to know that God... It, it has, has released that. What power, what manner of love is that? So the motive for the gift is that for God so loved us. Number two, the, the target of the gift. The target of the gift is the world. For God so loved the world. See, um, even in our, our circles of influence, um, on, on a lot of times when we 
celebrate Christmas, and especially office parties or even family parties or whatever, we say, okay, you know what? We don't, everybody don't need a gift. You know, I, I, I can't afford to get all of y'all a gift. Um, so let's just pull names out of a basket. Let's just, uh, you know, let's just, let's just keep it, keep it down and let's pull names out of a basket. And we do that. And depending on the name you pull, especially, okay, depending on the name you pull at the office, your gift is based on your relationship with that person. Let's be honest. Let's be, I've, you know, coffee mug, eh. <laughs> pen set, eh. journal, eh. you know, it's, 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 it's not a deep, thoughtful gift because you have no relationship with that person. So you give them something that, you know, ain't going to cost you a lot, ain't going ain't gonna, to you know, hurt your budget. But if you were to pull, you know, that office mate or that family member that, you know, you just really care about and you really love, then you're more, uh, you, you know, you, you really take thought in it and you really think, you know, I want to get them something nice. I want to get them something useful. I want to get them something that is, that, you know, warms their heart and expresses my love toward them. And so when we give gifts, we, we give them conditionally. But when God said, for God so loved the world, he grabbed down and grabbed all of us. Amen. And he knows each of us so intimately and so personally that he gave us the ultimate gift, the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift of salvation, the ultimate gift of love. God didn't sit back and say, well, they ain't prayed. And yeah, you know, when's the last time? I don't even, I'm looking at my roster and I don't even know the last time they said, thank you, Jesus. That didn't matter to him. God grabbed in and grabbed each and every one of us and gave us his best, gave us the ultimate gift. See, God's gift, ex it extends beyond uh, our traditional thoughts of Christmas. God's gift began years, thousand, two, over 2,000 years ago. God's gift happened at creation. When he put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, I love you all. I'm going to make, you know, humankind and we're going to dwell amongst each other and we're going to, we're going to do this thing called life together. God loves us and he gives us the ultimate gift. So because of God's love for us, he offered salvation to the entire world, not only to the Jew and to the Gentile, but to humankind. And we, as his children, we, as his, his bride of Christ, need to offer that same love to our office mates, to our neighbors, to our friends. We need to understand that we are all one, we are all connected, and that everyone needs to experience the love of God. Everyone needs to know about this ultimate gift. So God gave us this ultimate gift of his son Jesus so that we might share it amen it wasn't that God gave it to us so that we could get saved and we could live our lives and we could wait for you know the clouds to open up in the sky and we could just go on to heaven no God gave us a gift but with the gift came an assignment 
to witness, amen, to be witnesses on this earth, to share his love, to be fruitful and multiply, fruitful and multiply his kingdom. And so God's, uh, the target of God's gift was the world. Number three, the value of the gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the value of the gift, the value of the gift. God did not go cheap on us, amen? God did not go to Dollar Tree, <laughs> Walmart, you know. When God gives you a gift, God gives you his best. And, and God is saying to you, I gave you your, my best and I expect the best from you. What is the best that we can give God? What is the best that we can give God? Our surrender, amen, our belief, <laughs> our faith, our love, that we reciprocate the gift back to him. See, God gave us the most valuable gift in his son. Regardless of the state that we are in, he gave us the best. And since we possess this gift, that gift, as I've already stated, needs to be shared. We need to make sure that we are witnesses of God's gift. Amen? That we are showing that people will look at us and say, what is it about you? What, you know, there's just something different about you. And that's our opportunity to open up our hearts and share the love that God has, has uh, given us and share the scriptures. So it's important for us as Christians that when we get the gift, when we get the gift, that we read the instructions, that we understand what's going on. I recently uh, cut off my cable, and so Eddie has um, streaming services. <laughs> and every time I wanna watch something or look at the news or whatever, I call him upstairs, Eddie, I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to use it. And it just, he, just, he just levitates, like, mom, really? And you know, bam, 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 <laughs> and it's on. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and he'll show me and I'll look at the steps, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Next time I remember, you know, if I wanna watch, Lester Holt, World News Tonight, go to this, go to Peacock, da-da-da, it comes on. Man, I get so, you know, then I just get frustrated. I'm just like, you know, whatever, just forget it. But, you know, we have, we, we, we set ourselves up. We have beautiful gifts that, oh, you know, can you buy me this or you buy me that? And we have air fryers, we have microwaves, we've got all these technological gifts that we've asked for and we don't use them to the full capacity. We don't even, you know, we don't even read the instructions. My microwave recently went out, so I bought a new one. And when it came, it was a microwave, it was a toaster oven, and it's an air fryer. And I'm like, I don't what? <laughs> you know? And the only thing I use it for is the microwave. You know, and, and I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, I really need to pull the instructions out and figure out how to air fry and toast and everything because I could get rid of all these other, um, other <laughs> appliances I have and just use this one. You think I'm going to read the instructions? No, I'm good. I'll just, you know, use the microwave. And, and, and that's the same thing we do with this right here. It's the same thing we do. You know what? I know God loves me. I know God got me. I know he's going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm, that's a lot of reading. Wow, that's, that's a lot. Um, so I, I'm just going to use what I need. I'm just going to use what they tell me on Sunday morning. Only on Sunday morning because I'm not going to open up this Bible again till Sunday morning. And we don't read 
the instructions. We don't read uh, about what we possess. We don't understand that we too can do miracles. We too can lay hands and heal. Everything that Jesus showed us while he was here on earth, he said, greater things will you do. Greater things will you perform. But we don't open up the gift. So therefore, we don't understand it. And when we see or we feel an unction to pray for somebody, when we hear the Holy Spirit say, lay hands on them or speak to them prophetically, we back up like, oh, mm -mm. you know, we hesitate because we're just like, well, you know, Lord, I, and we say, you know, we might say, well, you know, in the name of Jesus, and we might pray from a distance. But we don't follow the instructions because that very moment, if you had just listened to the voice of God, that person could have received a healing. That person could have received uh, Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But because we don't follow the instructions and we only know God loves you and God's going to take care of that and praying for you, we don't, we don't take the power that is within us and exercise it outside Amen. Exercise it in the world, just as Christ did. I mean, just think about it. Jesus would be walking down the street and someone would be crippled or lamed or someone would come up to him with leprosy or some blind man would cry out to him and he would stop and he would pay attention and he would walk over and he would address that situation and he would give them the ultimate gift. We have that ultimate gift living within us. What is wrong with the church today? What is wrong with us? God created us, amen, to be doers of his word. And you can't be a doer of his word if you're not in his word. If you're not daily waking up, praying and thanking him, amen? If you're not reading his word, if you don't have a, any type of devotional life, you have a few scriptures in your back pocket that you'll pull out when you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance, but God gives you the ability to, to stop that circumstance before it even manifests. And it's all here in the book. It's all here in his word. So we have to value the gift, amen? We have to value the gift of the son. So the fourth point is that, um, the fourth is that for God so loved the world, amen, <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, see the recipients of the gift are, are, we are the recipients of the gift. As believers, we are the recipients of this great gift. So um, don't, don't, don't miss this. That means that there's no favoritism, you know, there's no favoritism. A lot of times in, in, in Christendom and in, in church world or stuff, you know, we come in and we get jealous of each other. We get jealous of each other's ministry. We get jealous when someone, you know, gets maybe admonished. We say, well, you know, I did this or I did that. You know, God does not, there's no jealousy in, uh, in, in his thoughts. 
There's no jealousy. He says that whoever believes in him, that they are the recipient of the gift. And so that means that, you know, there's no segregation. There's no, you know, this class of Christian or that. We are all sinners. I don't care if you are fornicating on a daily. God judges your sin just as he does the person that's cussing. It's not, it's, 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 it, there's no, no levels in God. God says, I love you all the same. And so, you know, you can walk around here holy as you want to, thumping your Bible, screaming, you know, in tongues, and the Lord this, and everything is God, 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 God. That really tells me you got some issues. Um, but, but you can come in and you can fake it. You can come in and you can act like the whole world is just, you know, just pleasing. And you got the white picket fence and, you know, when you sleep, the stars come around you and, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, that is just, not, that's just not, that's, it's not a reality and it's not true. And we have to remember that, you know, we are yet sinners, yet sinners, and that we do have thoughts. We do do things that are displeasing to God, but God loves us in all of that. God cares for us in all of that. So that, that, that so, whosoever believeth in him. You could be coming out of jail and receive the love of God and instantly that the spirit of God comes into your life. Amen. And he loves you just the same as a missionary that's over in a foreign, com in a foreign country, healing, saving, and preaching to those. God loves us equally. Amen. That his love, uh, and, his, and the recipient of his love is to whoever believes. So we all have an opportunity uh, to accept the ultimate Christmas gift from God because the gift is extended to whosoever, amen? And if it's extended to us, then we need to extend it to others, amen? Point five is the purpose of the gift is deliverance from hell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish. Point number five, the purpose of the gift is deliverance from hell. And so, do you understand what hell is? <laughs> do you understand the devastation <laughs> that uh, is, is going to happen to those who do not believe in God? that they are going to perish, amen. That we have an opportunity and a commitment to save people from the grips of hell. That we as Christians need to be out here offering this ultimate gift to people because when most of us give gifts, um, they, they may serve a particular purpose, but God's ultimate gift serves a definite purpose, a divine purpose a divine and definite purpose. And that is that you have been saved and you have escaped the fire and that you will live life eternally and not have to face the pit of hell, not have to deal with the anguish of hell. So by default, we know that we're all sinners because of sin and we know that God saved us and sent his, his son to be our salvation. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth and be born of a virgin just to be another person on earth. Jesus Christ came with the intent 
that I will give up my heavenly crown. I will remove myself off of this throne and be embedded into a virgin so that I can be born amongst men. Emmanuel, God in man, that I can walk this earth and I can share the love of God. I can share my mission, my journey, why I am here, and that is to seek and save the lost. That is to show the ultimate love that I can snatch everyone I can out of the grip of the enemy, out of, of the uh, doom of hell. God came because he loves us. He gave his son because he deeply loves us. And we need to understand that hell is not a place that we want to go. And for those of us that are in here and we have these hard-headed family members or friends that are just, you know, just riotous, just doing whatever they want, and we haven't taken the opportunity to say, can I sit down and talk to you? You know, our, our talks are not judgmental, our talks are not demeaning, but learn to open up the word of God, open up your heart, and just explain to them the path that you on that you are on is gonna lead you to damnation. And I don't wanna see that for you. I don't wanna see that for you. It reminds me of the story of Lazarus when he was, uh, when he sat at the king's gate, when he sat there um, at the rich man's gate, just wanting, you know, for a morsel of bread, wanting for someone just to attend to him. And, and the, the rich man just walked right by him, never paid him any attention. And when they both died, the rich man went to hell and Lazarus was in heaven and he was seated on, in the uh, bosom, sitting on the, Abraham and had his head up against his bosom. And the, the, the uh, rich man was in hell and got a glimpse of heaven and says to God, Lord, please send down Lazarus just to dip his finger in the water for I am thirsty. <laughs> Man, and God told him, you had all the opportunity that you had while you were on earth to attend to this man who sat at your steps, but you ignored him. That's why there's this big chasm between heaven and hell, because you're not coming up here and he ain't going down there. In other words, sorry, you've had your opportunity. And so we wanna make sure that we don't send people to hell, amen? And it's not us who send them to hell, but we can have the opportunity to bless someone and share the love of God. I mean, I, I've had some trifling friends and trifling family members and stuff that, you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm not even gonna waste my time because they're not gonna listen. You never know the heart of a person. You might see the actions of a person, but you never know what's going in someone's heart. Maybe someone just needs to hear, hey, God loves you and I do too. And if you ever wanna talk, I'm here, I'm available because there's a gift and there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. You ask me, how can I go through this foreclosure? You ask me, how can I walk through this divorce? You ask me, how can you deal? Uh, why, why are you so pleasant when you just lost your child or when you just lost your job? Because there's a peace that is within me. There's a salvation that lies within me. And I know my Redeemer lives and I know that my Redeemer will take care of me. So number five, the purpose uh, is the gift of deliverance, amen? And we want to help 
We want to be a part of God's kingdom and help deliver people from hell. I am almost done. Number six is the benefits of the gift of eternal life. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So the benefit of the gift, the ultimate gift of God is eternal life, eternal life. We are living life right now. We are living on this earth, but this life will pass. This life is not guaranteed that you will live forever. We see people and loved ones that pass every day. And if they are saved, they have entered into the glory, amen, and to eternal life, life with the Father, back to their endemic state, amen, back to paradise, back to where all things are perfect, all things are good. and. Um, this gift um, is, is just, it's not something temporal. It's not like you're gonna go to heaven and then you're gonna pass and start all over again or you know something else is going on. But it's the gift of eternal life. The gift of eternal life. That, that, that this fleshly body is going to perish. But the spirit of God, the real, the Ruach, the breath of God, the spirit that God has put in us will return to him. And when it returns to him, it returns to him for eternity, that we will walk in the heavenlies. We will be able to, to do what we do here on earth in heaven. Heaven isn't a place where you're just going to walk around on golden streets and, you know, sing, sing songs of praises. You will sing songs of praises, but don't get it twisted. The new heaven and the new earth, it's a place where, where you're going to tend to <laughs> to work. You're going to have the opportunity to live uh, like Christ lived here on earth, but in the heavenlies, doing what God has called you to do, using the gifts that God has called you and given you. So why not put those gifts into action now? Why not start practicing kingdom living while you are here on earth? So many of us don't get this concept. People think they're just going to go to heaven and walk around heaven all day. Oh, I hate that song. You are not going to walk around heaven all day. You're going to get up, go to your job, do whatever God has got. Like, really, you think God came down here and suffered the cross so you could go walk around heaven all day? No, it don't work like that. God came to save us. God came to restore us. God came to, to show that kingdom can be here on earth. So when we return to the ultimate kingdom, what do you think you're going to be doing? You're not going to be sitting around, people. You're going to be working. <laughs> Trust me, you're going to be working. God is going to, to you will be living in, in, in that academic state. You will be living in that garden state. And what, it got, what did Adam tell God to do? Work it and till it. Work it and till it. So heaven isn't this place where, you know, we've made it to be like, it is all the things that we read, but it's way more than that. <laughs> it's way more than that. It's a city. It's a place that needs to be attended to and taken care of. So number six, the benefit of eternal life is that we get to return to heaven and we get to walk out our calling. It isn't that when you die, you're just dead. You know, I often think of pastor and I say, you know, I know he's up there trying to run things, but... I said, he can't be a theologian anymore because they don't need a theologian in heaven. 
So what he doing? <laughs> but you, you will have an assigned job, amen, in the heavenlies. So number seven, our response to the gift is that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The response of the ultimate gift is that God gave us Jesus. God uh, gave his best. And, as, and when he gave us his best, it was for us to escape the grips of hell. Amen. That the love that he had for us was so that he can bring us all back home. Don't you know that God knows you by name and knew you by name before you were even born? That God knew you before you entered the womb of your mother. That God knows everything about you. That God knows the very next thought. That God knows what you will face when you go back home if you're in a tough situation. God knows everything about you because he loves you and he attends to you. Tonight, while you are sleeping in your bed and you are resting and you wake up and come into full consciousness, know that God was thinking about you at that very moment, that God was singing over you, that God constantly has thoughts of you, that he loves you. Just like you were on the phone with that loved one, God is on the phone, <laughs> or not so much the phone, but God is thinking of you like that with an everlasting love. All at the same time, God is thinking about us, that God is, is, is wanting us to open up the book, amen? Open up his word and learn of him. It's, 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 it's so intimate to understand how priceless we are to God. It's so rewarding to think, you know, sometimes we don't treat each other so well. Sometimes we say things and hurt each other. But God says, I love you with an everlasting love. So what else, what, what else could he do to prove his love to us? What else can he do? We're constantly on his mind. We wake up in the middle of the night. He's singing songs over us. He's praying for us. He has thoughts for us. And so God's love is unchanging. And he writes all of our wrongs. And he constantly intervenes for us. In John 17 and 4, as I close, uh, this passage of scripture just hit me really different. It says, in John 17, 4, Jesus says, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. Let me repeat that. Father, I desire they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. So we often think of heaven uh, as a place where Jesus is at a place where Jesus and the Father dwell, and Jesus, uh, and Jesus will be there. But Jesus in this passion says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. We think of heaven as a place where God dwells. Jesus thinks of heaven as a place where, he, where we dwell and he wants to be with us. We often think of it as uh, in heaven. We think it's heaven. Uh, we call it heaven because Jesus is there. But Jesus thinks heaven will be heaven because you are there. What manner of love is this? That the son thinks heaven will be heaven 
because we are back home, that we are in there, that we are there and we are with them. We need to understand that God has given us the ultimate gift and how great a love it is, the thought that Jesus is looking forward to our return, amen. Jesus is looking forward to seeing you and I in heaven. We're looking forward to seeing him, but he's looking forward to see us. And when we have accepted him as his Lord and Savior, every time one of us passes from this earthly life into eternity, his heart rejoices, amen. He grabs hold of us and he loves us and says, I've been waiting for you. Well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. So the choice to believe God, uh, God's word, and receive him into our heart and, his, and experience his unfailing love is the, re, the, the prerequisite of breaking free from unbelief. It's a prerequisite of us living a kingdom-filled life. Accept the ultimate gift this morning. Accept the ultimate gift. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word, Lord. We thank you that you are our ultimate gift, Lord, that you gave of yourself, your son, Father God, to come and save us. So as we get ready, Father God, and prepare to celebrate this Advent season, Father God, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we open the gift and share it with someone, God. May we stop bickering over foolishness, God, and open up our word and learn of you and learn, Father God, that forgiveness is in this book. Deep love is in this book. Understanding is in this book. How to handle uh, diverse situations is in the book, Lord. So whatever we're facing, God, the answer is in your word. Let us open up the gift this, this holiday season, this Christmas season, and keep it open for the remainder of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen.